All right, church, if you all would, go ahead and, and open up your Bible app. Um, you can open up your Bibles. If you want to run inside and grab a Bible, by all means, we love the, the Word of God, so you can do that. They're under the seats um, in there. But we're going to be in Romans 13 this morning. Last week, I asked if, if, if any of you all could have guessed uh, where we were going to be to celebrate the 4th of July and this is where we're going to be. We want to talk about uh, what a, a godly government looks like. Uh, we're not celebrating um, any one particular thing here this morning as a church as we worship, other than the fact that Jesus has, has uh, given us commands. He's given us uh, the freedom to worship. Um, he's told us to worship no matter what the people say, no matter what the world says. And it's, it's brought up some issues um, within uh, the capital C church of what does the church do? How can we operate? What do we obey? What can we uh, push back against? What can we disobey? Especially when it comes to um, civil obedience and the civil authority. So as you all turn there, I, I want to thank you all so much for uh, your understanding of, of uh, one service this morning. Uh, we knew ahead of time we were going to have several people out camping and on vacation. And going to two services, you don't get to see everybody every week. And I'll be the first to say that stinks sometimes when I know that, uh, you know, not all of our church family is getting to, to mingle and interact and, and not just mingle and interact, but church worship um, our God together. So um, this is something we want to do more in the future. Uh, these kind of uh, events or uh, worship services where we come together as one. So thank you all for that. And then thank you, all, you kids, uh, for dealing with our... Uh, our change of plans this morning. This would normally be a family Sunday, first Sunday of every month where we keep the bigs in, uh, but we're keeping them all out today. So let me read uh, Romans chapter 13, the first seven verses for us this morning. From God's word, it says here, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists God, what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you, will also, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. That's God's word for us this morning, church. Let's be in an attitude of prayer. Father God, we, we come to you this morning uh, thanking you and, and praising you for this opportunity to, to worship, to worship freely, to worship loudly, to worship publicly, proclaiming your name as Lord of Lords, King of Kings this morning to all who can hear and are around and maybe don't like it, but God, we proclaim it, for it is true. God, I pray that as we draw near to your word this morning that, that we, would, we would approach it humbly. Lord, I pray that you would really work on our hearts to better understand this, God, to those who, who have a good grasp on this and love government and they're uh, ready to talk about it and, and share it all the time. I pray, God, that you would remind them of, of, of the humility we are to carry forth and the example we are to be in submitting and glorifying your name. God, and to the person who, who maybe is here this morning and struggles with this, feeling like we're not supposed to step into this political realm, Lord, I pray that you would really work on our hearts 
to show us that there's nothing out of your prayer view, nothing out of your reach, nothing that you didn't ordain, nothing that you didn't put into place and put into motion and that you don't have authority over. Help us to understand that this morning, to grow and to be sanctified into your likeness and by your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the main point for us this morning is that the gospel trumps everything, right? The gospel trumps everything. And, and what I mean by that is, is when you've been saved, when, when you dive into God's word, when you've been saved, you understand that it, it trumps everything. And in the gospel and in God's word that, that God is revealing himself to us through his inerrant word, we see that there's nothing that he does not have authority over. So this gospel, and I, I want to attach it to that because sometimes we, we link the gospel to just stick to the gospel. But what I want us to understand today is that the gospel trumps everything. Absolutely everything, and it changes the way that we understand uh, our entire world, our entire life, the way that we live, the way that we breathe, the way that we interact, the way that we vote, the way that we, we, we do anything, because that's what God's, God's word is doing. So the gospel trumps everything. Now, I, I want to break down this idea of government, because that's, that's what we're going to be doing this morning, and it's not going to be, uh, for those of you who may be uneasy right now, it's not going to be uh, which party you need to vote for. It's not going to be uh, how you screwed up this past election or how you didn't screw up and you made the right decision and whatever it, it might be. This is specifically talking about um, a God-sanctioned government where, where God has created all things. Amen, church? Amen. So then God's given us a role and he's given us a purpose. And even with the government, they have, they have a, um, a certain realm that they are supposed to um, work within. That's what they have to do. That's what we have to do. So as we break this down, I want to talk about authority, submission, and then rejection. Authority, submission, and then rejection. First off, authority. So there's these, these uh, four spheres of authority that Scripture really paints out. And uh, you could talk to Pastor Gary. He uh, wrote a, a phenomenal blog. I mean, it, it's got to be the best blog out there on this, right? So, I mean, it, it, it's wonderful. It's the greatest thing uh, there is. But uh, Pastor Gary does a great job breaking down these four spheres. So um, I'm just going to hit on them uh, real quick, very brief. Um, but you have the individual, family, church, and government. So God has authority over all things, but he's delegated authority into these positions that, that we are to operate within. So to the end of individual, you have authority over yourself. Now this will get into submission because even though you, you can make whatever decision you want, we also do need to submit and do the right thing, but you do have authority, right? Like as the church, we'll get into uh, the sphere of the church in a minute, but the church, even though you sign the church covenant, we can't twist your arm and make you do something that you don't want to do. Now, you can be in the wrong for that, but you have a sphere of authority that you operate within, and you've got to make decisions. So the individual, and this is no one can step into that and, and twist your arm. Now, you can be breaking laws, you can be breaking church covenants, you can be sinning. Uh, you may not be sinning, but you may be unlawful, whatever it might be, but individually you have a sphere to work within. The family, the family is another sphere of authority. Um, this is something that, that we should understand, that the government doesn't dictate what a family is. The government doesn't get to dictate uh, how a family operates. God's word dictates how a family operates and then gives us the authority as families to operate within that sphere of authority. So as a family, we have to make the decisions. We have to, to, to do the right things. The, the government can't step into this sphere of authority. The church um, can't step into this sphere of authority in the sense that, that we're twisting arms. The government can't uh, turn and redefine marriage when God has already defined marriage, which is the start of the uh, Christian home, right? Family. 
Church is another sphere of authority. This is a place where the government cannot overreach, and this is what the separation of the church and state really was, where the government wasn't reaching into the religious sphere of authority to tell them what they can and cannot do. Government, this is another sphere of authority, and the sphere that we're going to talk about most this morning. And the government has been laid out, been given their their position, been given their authority, been given their job, what they are supposed to do from God's word. And God created it. And again, let me make this easy for us to to begin to understand. This is not a, you should vote this party or that party. We're literally talking through scripture. As a dad, um, I can make decisions uh, with my kids that are unholy and unhelpful, but I have to make those decisions. No one else can make them for me. The government needs also to operate within their sphere. So now that we have the, the four spheres, I just want to talk about who all authority has been given to. Right before the Great Commission, we, we, we get the Great Commission, we hear, go and, and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. But right before that, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and on earth have been given to me. Now, that was Jesus sending his disciples with the assurance that, that they were doing something that wasn't man-made, but this was God-given, God-delegated authority, that God has told them that, that since he has all the authority over all things, go. And as you're going, teach, make disciples, tell them about my word and to observe all that I've commanded. But we have to first understand where all authority comes from, and it's from God. All authority is from God. And this doesn't mean that if you get pulled over, you sit there and you say, Jesus is my authority, you can't tell me what to do. There's a sphere of authority where the government gets to uphold the law, right? We, we believe in law and order. We believe you break the law, then there's price to pay, whatever it might be. It could be a ticket, right? Maybe you, you were parked uh, somewhere too long, the meter ran out. That's a ticket you have to pay because you broke the law. These are good things, good things that we want to have. We want to uphold law and order. So don't, don't try and trump them with the authority of, of Christ, right? Because Christ has given them delegated authority to uphold the law. Now, the government has been instituted and given authority by God. So God has all the authority, but he delegates authority into institutions that he himself has established. And we see that here. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from who, church? God. That's Romans 13, verse 1. There's no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. If you all would, you can go ahead and, and turn over to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, another place where we get to see uh, this idea of authority, governing authority, our submission to that authority, which we'll get into. But 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13, and, and we're going to be flipping back and forth between these two, so if you want to put your little ribbon there, or a piece of paper maybe that you're taking notes on, a pen, whatever it might be. But Peter writes and he says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor's supreme or to the governor's as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, 
right, church? We, we talk about seeking out the will of God. We, we believe in the will of God. We pray for the will of God, right? Even when we pray, maybe we lament, right? Lamenting is, is crying out, like just, just lifting up a, a, almost like a battle cry. Like you're just, you're hurt and you're injured. You don't feel like spiritually you can go on anymore. But at the end of lamenting, right, when we see David do it, he trusts and rests in God and that his will has been done and will be done and always will be done. But he says this, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Again and again and again, we see that this authority has been given by God. So then what is that authority to do? Well, let's work backwards. Let's, let's look at 1 Peter, and then we'll go back to Romans 13, because they both make it very clear what the government is to do, and that's uphold law and order, to protect, to serve, right? Be subject, it says in 1 Peter again, rereading, for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him, and it tells us what they are to do, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Let's jump back to Romans 13, where Paul says, let, there, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad so they are to uphold that which is good. And where do we find out what is good and what is evil, church? The Bible. We see that time and time again. And for thousands of years, since the beginning of time, we've known what is good and bad from God's word and even the law being written on our heart that we can see and we can know that you shouldn't steal. There's just something, this guilty feeling as a child when they, they feel it and you can see it. Like when your four-year-old does something bad and they can't explain what they've done, but they know and you can see just the guilt on their face knowing that whatever they just did was wrong. And the governments are to uphold this. The government is to protect man family, and church, the other spheres of authority. The government is not to overreach. The individual is not to overreach into these other spheres of authority. But they are to protect man, the individual, right? Not just men, but the individual, families, and church to uphold law and order. Now we see, we see in just a little bit, if you, if you think like, oh, well, that means like we don't have to do anything else. They are just there to protect. So why pay taxes? We see down, you jump down. Don't, let's not go there, right? This morning, again, this is not one of those, we're not making a case for uh, pay this or pay that. Jesus says, uh, render to God what is God and to Caesar what is Caesar's. He also says here, Paul says here, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. We know that taxes need to be collected so that we can have defense, so that we can have care, so that we can have jobs of people who are on the streets protecting and serving and upholding law and order. Amen? Everybody following along? Amen doesn't mean like, oh yeah, absolutely, but like I'm, you're at least following along. We're getting this. We're, we're, we're seeing what God's word says when it comes to authority. And then when we see and we, we better understand authority, when we realize where authority has come from, when we see the commands of God to that authority, we see that we, individuals, the family, the church, people, are to submit to the authority. Okay? That's point number two, submission. To submit 
to this authority. Now, the authority, again, is to do what? Uphold law and order to protect the other spheres of authority. And Paul says here he, he does not give room for anything else but this idea of submission. And we'll, we'll get to the rejection. Maybe everybody's kind of going. We're, we've got a lot to think about, a lot to chew up this morning in two very small passages. But he says in verse 2 of Romans 13, he says, Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resist what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. This is not a good thing. When we talk about incurring judgment, it's, it's never a good thing. Right? Even in my home when I've done wrong and I can see the judgment eyes like across the house, it's like I know that I'm in a bad place. Let me tell you, church, we are in a much worse place when we are dealing and incurring the judgment of God. So those who resist will incur judgment. Why? For rulers are not a terror to good conduct but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? He says, then do what is good and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. Now think about that. Now we may have, and when I say we, anybody, any country, any establishment, any local authorities may be a corrupt government, may be foolish in their decision-making, could be evil in their heart, and could still and are still a servant of God. And they could be foolish and still upholding the law and need to be submitted to church, Maybe, maybe you don't like how things went in November, but as long as things continue to uphold and, and to do uh, what is good, right, and, and not incur bad, right, like we're, they're not forcing bad things on us as people, we may not love everything, well, the word says to submit. As long as, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. When that flips, that's when we, we have different conversations about like what we need to do and how we need to approach it, and how we need to change it, whether it be with megaphones, whether it be with trying to, to vote in certain people to, to take care of problems that we have. But we, the church, we as Christians, are to submit to these authorities, understanding that the authority has been delegated by God, and they are now a servant to God and his kingdom, and may reject him to the point of their death as individuals. But as governing authorities are now servants of God. An avenger, it says, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. That's why we as Christians, even if we have to, to intervene in a situation, whether it becomes physical or violent, we, we intervene and we try and get it to stop, and then we let the justice system do what the justice system is supposed to do, right? We get it to stop, and then we let it go on, because it says from God's word that the governing authorities are an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. It doesn't say Michael Meadows is the avenger of God's wrath. This is actually coming out of chapter 12, where it ends, it literally ends, chapter 12 is great because it talks about the practical aspect of the Christian life. And right at chapter 12, it ends, starting in verse 17, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, as far as depends on you, live peacefully with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. First Peter talks about that too, that in doing so, in submitting to these authorities, even when they're foolish and maybe evil at heart, 
it does this kind of thing where it just irritates them and shows them who Jesus really is. So then Paul turns and he gets into the governing authority straight out of that vengeance is it up to you. You're not the avenger, but our government is, and they are to be that way, and we are to submit to it. Let's jump back over to 1 Peter. And Peter says here, he says, be subject for the Lord's sake so that Christ is honored when we submit. And let's remember, church, submission isn't submitting if you're always agreeing, right? Within the house, the submission um, between Aubrey and I and, and certain decisions is when one of us disagrees, but we, we say, hey, that's the route that we're going to go. I'm submitting to that, right? In our life, in any kind of submission, right? When your boss tells you to do something, you, maybe you don't think it's the wisest decision. Maybe you think the sales pitch should be a little bit different, but you say, hey, I'm going to submit. I think you've got a plan. You've got it drawn out. We're going to go with it. Submission isn't submission if you're always agreeing. But Peter says here, he says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it's the emperor supreme or to the governors as sent by him, to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of the foolish. Live as people who were free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. And then he goes on and he talks about this, this idea of slaves being servants, right? The slaves, be subject or submissive to your master with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. Church, there's going to be times, and, and maybe you felt those times in the past year where we were told, you can't meet and you can't worship God even if you meet outside, even if you separate, there, there were times where this wasn't even okay. Some of you are sitting too close, and I know you're not family, right? That wasn't okay. In some places, that's still not okay. But what we are saying is, is until it comes to that point, we submit. And Peter says, even to the unjust. We've been going through acts, and we've seen unjust behavior punished out to the apostles. This past week, we finished up um, Acts chapter 7. We're taking a little bit of break from Acts, but we saw Stephen not just persecuted, not just beaten as some of the other apostles were, but we saw Stephen become the first martyr of the church. Now, church, was that just what happened to Stephen? Was it right what happened to Stephen? No, but he submitted, but he did not stop. He did not give up the gospel Message. Now, this is important. R.C. Sproul says this. The Bible urges Christians to be models of civil obedience wherever possible. We honor Christ by praying for those in authority over us and for being submissive and obedient to their rule. We are to bend over backwards, R.C. Sproul says, in our obedience. Bend over backwards in our civil obedience. But when their rule tells us and keeps us from doing what God commands and what God speaks against, that is the moment we reject. Point number three. Now, what he says is so true, and we need to understand this. We've, we've heard of this, bend, don't break. Well, the church broke a long time ago by not speaking up where God's word has been speaking up. So we broke. Well, we need to stretch it back out like a, a, a messed up muscle. We need to start stretching it. And we need to bend in our civil obedience. But where God's word speaks, it speaks clearly, always. There's no whispering. When it comes to God's word, 
It's serious about every word on the pages you read. Every word. Not, some of it's not a joke. It's all very serious. So when other spheres of authority begin to speak against God's word and tell us that we have to do or we can't do what it tells us to do, such as worship, practical example. If, if the mayor of Medina came here and he said, you guys can't do this anymore, we would say, what the apostles said in Acts, whether it is right to listen to you or to listen to God, you must be the judge. So we know that we may get in trouble. And that doesn't mean we have to take up arms. It doesn't mean we have to fight back. Right? You look at the apostles. What's happening is, is we are being um, unjustly treated for our worship. Okay? But we will not stop worshiping. Now, the Black Plague could come back, and it could, it could take over. Maybe your pastors would look at it and say, yeah, maybe, maybe another two-week break and some distancing would be better. But as far as this goes, church, when the Word of God is telling us to do something, and we know that there's no uh, thing that, that is as practical and in our way that, that says, yeah, maybe you should rethink this, we're not going to listen to man. We're going to listen to God. And the commands that you've been given, you've got to make the decision, too, at work. There's a sphere of authority, right? There's this, you have, you've walked into work, and they're telling you as your employer what you can and can't do or what you can and can't talk about. Well, you've got to come to this decision in your life if it's going against God's word, if you're going to reject it. If you think that it is worth it to share the gospel at work and you may lose it, then great. Because the Bible is clear on what we as Christians are to do. We are to meet, we are to gather, we are to go and to make disciples, not just making disciples, not just growing numerically as a church, but teaching every believer everywhere to obey and observe all that God has commanded. Not part of it, not some of it, all of it. Now, an objection here would be, well, Paul and, and Peter are both writing under a, a tyrannical leader, Nero. The guy was crazy, and these guys are saying, submit. Well, there's, there's a couple problems here. The first is, is we're assuming, like we assume with all people, that you're just always evil. We actually know from Nero's time that he wasn't always evil. He went off the deep end. We see biblical leaders that go off the deep end in, in, in the Bible, right? You see people time and time again, they have a good life, and then something happens and they spark, right? It, it's kind of reverse of like the, the radical testimony. It's like they go radically apostate, right? They were preaching and teaching and proclaiming God's word, baptizing people. And then something happens and they reject. John says they departed from us because they were never of us. But we are to, to go and to tell. We cannot assume that Nero was always the same Nero. And we also know that the Bible commands us, right, if we're going to reject the things that go against God's word, when it says to protect the weak, that doesn't mean protect them unless it's your government doing it to them. See, the, the church's mission, like the church, New Hill Church, does not exist to end or abolish abortion. But you as a believer are called to go and to be a voice for the weak, a voice for the voiceless. So that doesn't mean that we don't fight against things like abortion. This doesn't mean that we don't fight against things like racism. But, but from the pulpit, what takes precedent is God's word. And then as we are changed and conformed into the likeness of Christ, we go out to be a voice for the voiceless. 
We go out to, to be the strong for the weak, collectively as a body, fighting for those who have no voice. And why? Because when you're attacking the weak, when you're persecuting, persecuting a group or a people group, then you're going against God's word. So, so you as an individual, let me end here. You as an individual may be persecuted for your faith. Peter and Paul make it clear. Submit, right? If I get in trouble for preaching the gospel and I end up in jail between now and next week because we preached on government from God's word, then so be it. I end up in jail. That doesn't mean I'm going to throw fists. It doesn't mean like when they come at me, I'm going to run. I preached it and I'd preach it again. And I'll never stop preaching this. But when a people group, when the weak is being attacked, when people are being neglected by those who have been given a job to do good, to, to, to um, honor what is good and to persecute what is wrong, right? When those things quit happening, we, the church on the go, are supposed to speak up. We are supposed to reject it. We are supposed to point people back to God's word. So you find that balance of we may be persecuted for doing this, right? They have the sword. So when we meet, we know there could be a consequence. When we go out and we share the gospel, when we go to the foreign fields on mission trips, we know that there's a consequence for doing these things. But we do them for the sake of the gospel, which the gospel church trumps everything. People can tell us and continue tell us uh, telling us what to do and how we should act and how we should live and how we should worship or why we shouldn't worship. But when it goes against this, we speak up. We reject it. And church, I'll tell you, within the sphere of authority within the church, we tell you all to go home and do your homework on everything that is preached here. Why? Because if we preach heresy, you are to reject it. Just because we've been given authority, right, to, to, to shepherd the flock here, Pastor Gary, myself, Pastor Simon, it does not mean that we may not go sideways sometime. That's why we need open ears, listening and reading God's word, going home and, and still reading it and studying it, making sure that we as a church family are being changed by God's word and not man's. So as for the government, they've been given a job. And not a job uh, by being voted in, they've been given a job by God. And they are to do that and as long as they do that, we submit to it. And rejection, when it comes, it's us telling them that's wrong. And we need to turn back to this. Ben, if you want to go ahead and come back up. Church, I, just for some application, some, some of us here, I know, again, this is, and I'd be one of them. This is a soft spot, right? Like this is that, that spot where it's like, man, like I, I don't like always talking about these super controversial things. But guess what? The Bible talks about it, so we have to address it. So to us, right, those who would be in the boat were kind of like feeling it like, man, this topic's hotter than the sun right now, like beaming down on my face. I pray that we would trust and understand that, that God's word calls us to a radically renewed life. And sometimes that's uncomfortable. It puts you in uncomfortable, precarious situations where, where you're, you're having to speak up and say, I don't agree with you. I actually think that, that at times our government can be wonderful, the best, but be corrupt at the same time. And we can explain it because 
God's told them what to do. Now, if you're on the other side, let me speak to you. You're gung-ho, you're ready the, uh, to, to storm into D.C. with signs and protest and yell at everybody who comes around the corner. Remember that as long as as good is being upheld and evil is being punished and they're not making us go against God's word, Peter does say submit. So some of us need to be exhorted this morning and encouraged to, to speak up more. And some of us need to be humbled and reminded that, that persecution's ahead. I think a lot of times we, we try and get out of persecution, but the Bible says it's real. We see, we've been reading it over and over again that the apostles are being beaten for sharing the gospel. They're being killed now. And right when we pick up back in Acts, we're going to see that, that they're spread. The church is scattered. But guess what? The gospel continues. The gospel is, is the most powerful thing, and it's evident that the church cannot stop. God's word cannot be stopped. The gates of hell will not prevail against this church, and definitely no government or tyranny or anything will ever. But our hope is, is set in heaven. Our hope is set in the king of all kings. Amen, church? And he's given us his word, and we are to open it, delight in it, obey it in all things. Church, if you would, go ahead and stand. We're going to um, sing another song. We're going to finish here in, in Christ alone. And just want to encourage you all in, in those things, just diving into God's word and, and loving, loving the, the beautiful freedoms that we have in this country. But as long as we have the freedom to speak, church, speak. And that when that freedom is, is taken and we're told to be silent, continue to speak. Father, thank you for your, your word this morning. I thank you so much. Just God, that we don't have to figure everything out. I love that we don't have to sit here and debate what government should look like. I love that we don't have to sit here and debate what church should look like. I love that we don't have to sit here and debate what a Christian should do. You've given us your word, not just revealing yourself to us, but revealing the life that we are to live before you. Lord, I pray that we would begin to understand from your word how our leaders are to act. God, I pray that, that we would be changed by this and, and the way that we, we vote or the way that we look at elections. God, that, that we want people who uphold law and order. God, that they're the avenger. We are not. God, I pray that we would see that the gospel trumps everything. There's, there's not a, a, a corner of the universe that you do not have authority over. Even those in authority have been given delegated authority and you are still supreme. You are still the king of kings, Jesus. But Lord, as, as we go out, I pray that we would recognize and understand this authority better. I pray that we would submit. And until it tells us to reject or go against your word, submit the moment it does, God, that we would reject it so that your name would be exalted, so that you would be glorified through our obedience. So God, I pray that your spirit would just work on us as we continue to, to just chew this up together. And God, that we would remember our citizenship is in heaven and everything that we do and everything that we don't do will be revealed. And I pray that on the last day it would be revealed that that your church stood up, your church spoke and, and cared for people, loved people, showed them grace and mercy, which has been bestowed upon us 
we love you and we praise you and ask that you would just be with us this week as we go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.